0: a new seven part series from CBC Podcasts, available now. This is a CBC Podcast. Some of the greatest achievements and discoveries of humanity have started with a simple question What if? What if the Earth is not flat but round? What if we tried to fly? What if your pizza was free and it didn't come in 30 minutes or less? Sabrina Gonzalez-Pasterski is asking herself a a kind of a what-if question, and it's a big one. The question is, what if the universe is a hologram? Sabrina is a high-energy theorist and the founder and principal investigator of the Celestial Holography Initiative at the Perimeter Institute in Waterloo, Ontario. She's with me now. Sabrina, good morning.
1: Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank
0: you for being here. The universe is a hologram. I want you to explain this to me like I am a five-year-old. What exactly does that mean?
1: Okay, so maybe let's take a step back and think about what question we're trying to answer. So what we're interested in is quantum gravity. And what that means for us is that we have this consistent theory at very, very long distance scales where we see like the planets orbiting the sun and various other astrophysical phenomena that are described by general relativity, which is an improvement upon say what Newton was studying. And then at very short distances, we have quantum mechanics telling us what's going on and we can test our standard model at particle accelerators. And so we have this model that that handles the short distances and another model that handles the long distances. But we'd want both of those things to be the limits of a single theory. And when we try to build a theory that really covers both, it gets complicated. And so basically, one of the things that's been distilled – so the extent to which it's complicated is some people would basically try to replace all of these particles with oscillating strings, be willing to change the number of space-time dimensions to make that theory self-consistent. But there's a kind of simpler thing that's been distilled from that, which is the sense in which a theory of quantum gravity will look lower-dimensional. And so when we ask a question if the universe is a hologram, we're basically saying, is there a lower-dimensional theory without gravity – where I can compute all of the things that I would want to compute in my real world. And if that's, yes, that's kind of neat.
0: I think my brain is melting. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> if, if we think of the universe as a hologram, what does that, what, what does that mean in terms of, of us and our place in the universe? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so maybe one thing to keep in mind is like when we say a hologram or a 3D hologram, yeah. um, the like we, we think about an image that's like, Two dimensional, or it looks like it's a plate that's two dimensional, mm-hmm. but because of the way that we've like had this um, interference pattern with lasers hitting the object versus a reference laser, uh, we can see the kind of three dimensionality of it. Um, I kind of the holograms that you think of when you see um, like your favorite artist kind of resurrected on a stage isn't really that kind of laser cool hologram. It's uh, more of a, a parlor trick or a Victorian uh, illusion using mirrors, and so you're basically just seeing an image. And you can even have this on your phone screen reflected and looking like it's sitting above your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when we see objects in the real world, it's obviously more than just looking at them. We can, we can touch them or whatnot, but somehow the framework where we want to understand quantum gravity is telling us that there is some description that's just flat and we can study physics in that little flat land uh, without any um, gravity in it and compute the things that we would be playing with in the real world. And so that's kind of, like mind-blowing in some sense. Um, but it's in some sense, it really is just a mathematical framework too. So I don't want to take it too literally and think I'm living in a hologram. Which, is what,
0: like. pe- which is what people would, would, I mean, they think <laughs> yeah. the universe is a hologram and that's where they go, is that it, it's, it's that parlor trick that you mentioned. Yeah. What is, what is the appeal? This is, this is your work. What is the appeal and the attraction of this for you?
1: So for me, the appeal is uh, trying to just connect different ideas And so even the notion of quantum gravity, the why that, like, we care about it, is that we want to have a theory that can cover everything. And so it's not satisfying if we have, like, a good model for some parts of physics and not for others that is, like, one underlying theory. And the problem with that that, say you can only probe experiments in certain regimes of your theory. How do you know that it, like, goes back up to a simpler explanation? And so for me, the appeal of, say, trying to apply holography, um, to how we understand kind of the physics that we're interacting with is we end up having very precise constructions of examples where this principle is true. You have a lower dimensional theory that's equivalent to this one with gravity, but they're so weird and abstract. And so can you kind of bring some of that, um, those principles as the fact that we can encode this universe in a lower dimensional theory to a more astrophysically relevant setting? And so Long story short, we like consistent frameworks. Can we apply things that we've learned from trying to tackle hard problems to situations that we can probe experimentally?
0: Give me a practical application of this in, in your work.
1: So I would say that practical application isn't going to be anywhere near like self-driving cars or whatnot. <laughs> but um, but to the extent that you can go out and you can have a space-based interferometer that will measure some signal that is telling you about um, some of the symmetries of these flat holograms, I think that's kind of neat. But personally, I think the more practical kind of um, thing that we'll run into isn't the questions that we're trying to solve, but maybe how we get better at solving them. So one thing I really like about this research field is that you're kind of trying to translate between a lot of different toolkits. And in doing so, um, you're trying to make the problem, I guess, somehow simpler. Um, And so for me, if we could try to do that at scale or really try to look at like the knowledge canon that we're dealing with, that's where we'd have anything more practical coming out. But in some sense, trying to understand your 3 plus 1 dimensional world, so the 3D world, not some like 10 dimensional world, is already more practical, but that's not a good answer for most people.
0: This is not work that you initially thought that you were going to fall into, right? You started out like dreaming of getting people into space, is that correct?
1: Correct. So when I was little, I was really interested in aerospace engineering to the extent where I was like taking flying lessons. I'm from Chicago. We used to drive up or fly up to Sarnia and you could fly alone at, at 14 in Canada. Um, and so my kind of path was that I wanted to be like these like cool Um, like working at these cool small aerospace companies that were going to send people suborbital and maybe one day the private aerospace people would send someone to Mars or whatnot. It'd be cool. But um, I think the thing that I got disillusioned by uh, a little bit uh, is to what extent, like the developments that you're doing in that field are not necessarily like either the physics or the aerospace engineering so much as it is like other um, kind of innovations in adjacent fields that are helping that industry. Um, And so I guess I accidentally like fell into the opposite extreme of like the very like formal stuff because some of the people that I admired admired physics um, and you run into a similar problem where it's like you have these frameworks that are getting more and more complicated and the question is is the breakthrough going to be in the theories that you're studying like you're suddenly going to have an aha moment or is it going to be that you have new tools ready from like other disciplines to help you solve those problems.
0: What, What do you think this work might do the way that you talk about it concepts that I think it's really difficult, not just early in the morning, but it's really difficult for people to wrap their head around at the best of times. But you have this wild enthusiasm. I can hear it in your voice about what you're doing. What what do you hope that that would mean for us better understanding? I get not just the universe, but some of those big questions. Do you know what I mean?
1: So I think one thing to keep in mind is like, then part of why I enjoy trying to at least explain things because it always fails. Um, you're not failing, to continue. Where, well, yeah. So, but the interesting thing is like when we can't explain things to each other, it's because we're really using different languages. And so the problem with getting a PhD or going on into academia is that you get this very bespoke, um, like you're speaking a language that other people are not even talking in. Yeah. And so you haven't thought about the same difficult concepts you're doing in the same language that if you just try to go directly to that, um, uh, like your mom or dad or grandpa would uh, would ask you in that way. And so what's funny about it is that the problem of communicating between like, like the general population and like these like researchers kind of stuck in their mathematical land uh, is that we have that same problem within our field, within different disciplines. And so, for me, just being able to translate between mathematics and physics is amazing. Um, and then, <laughs> tra- trying to translate between physics, like the the way that we're seeing it, is very mathematical. And I like kind of the implications for when you look up at the night sky, how is the universe a hologram? Is like another layer of translation. Um, and so, we're all we all care about being able to understand each other, but it's a little at a very abstract level. <laughs> so, if you can make that easier, maybe you can make the bigger one easier.
0: That makes perfect sense. Um, in many ways, I'm really glad to talk to you about this. This is, I mean, I get it. It's a lot for people, perhaps early in the morning, but the enthusiasm <laughs> that you have around what you're doing um, really drives it through. Sabrina, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Sabrina Gonzalez pasterski is the founder and principal investigator of the Celestial Holography Initiative at the Premier Institute in Waterloo. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.